Well, welcome back. A lot easier to get a seat this Sunday, isn't it? <laughs> you know, they, they, they call this uh, Low Sunday. Actually, it's to live out the scripture that wherever two or three are gathered together in my name, I will be amongst them. The gospel's a great one, wasn't it? It was all about Thomas, or it talked about Thomas. And you have the, the disciples gathered, first day of the week, which is today, Sunday, in their point of view. They're all gathered together, and the doors are locked, and Jesus appears and talks to them and blesses them and gives them power to forgive sins one thing and another. But Thomas isn't there. Thomas is off someplace else. We have no idea where he was, but he's not there. So later on in the week, of course, the disciples run into Thomas, and Thomas says, well, what went on when you guys got together? You won't believe it. (laughs) Jesus was there. And Thomas says, which you saw, no, 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 I don't believe it. I'm not going to believe it till I touch his hands and touch his wrist and the wound in his side. And I'm, yeah, no, yeah, no, no, no. Well, lo and behold, the next Sunday, the next first day of the week, the disciples gather again, but this time Thomas is with them. And this time Jesus walks in, and it's as if Jesus was privy to that whole conversation that the disciples and Thomas had had, Right? So he says, oh, oh, you want to see my wounds on my hands? You want to see my wound in my side? You want to touch it? Come on. Come on over here. So Thomas does. Thomas sees the wounds and he touches the wounds and he says, I believe. And Jesus says, that's kind of too bad in a way because there are lots of people out there who don't have the opportunity to see and they believe. And here you have the opportunity, and that's what it took for you. I'm paraphrasing a little bit. But, but, remember, this gospel was written about 90 years after the life of Jesus on this earth, after his earthly life. 90 years. Well, I don't know about you, but I know that when my wife asks me to go down to the store and pick something up, and I don't write it down. It's catch as catch can, let me tell you. <laughs> it, it may or may not arrive home. Well, the same thing is oral, with oral tradition everywhere. You know, we've all played that little telephone game, right, where you sit in a circle and you say something at one end of the circle and then it goes around and then the person at the end announces what they heard. Amazing, amazing. So the thing for us to think about, I think really, and this gospel prompts us in a very good way, is to ask a question of what do you believe? What is it that you believe? What do you, what do you believe about yourself? What do you believe about yourself? I mean, I'm amazed at people who have a very... And I get guilty of this too, but 
you know, you have a very so sort of low image of yourself, you know, why don't I look like Spider-Man or something or Superman or Wonder Woman or whoever? I mean, we get these odd little quirky thoughts in our minds that we tend to believe. What do we believe about our land? What do we believe about this place where we live? What do we believe about our world? What do we believe about our universe? You know, it just, I mean, it amazes me. Any of you watch that uh, program, uh, Carl Sagan, Follow on Cosmos? Anybody watch that? I mean, to me, this is just me now, that's a very holy show that is showing us things that mankind, womankind, humankind has never, ever been able to see before. And we can see them. We can experience them visually. That's God at work. He doesn't just work in the little microcosm of you. Although he does, or she does. But works out, out there. That's why I'm amazed by these people in Kansas who want to pass laws saying, we can't show that show in Kansas that doesn't mention God often enough. Dear hearts, you can assume something. The creation assumes a creator. It assumes a creator. You know, the question comes up then, who, who is Jesus to us? Who's Jesus to you? Who's Jesus to me? Is Jesus a, some kind of a magical being that walked around the Middle East so long ago? Is he a real person? Is he a manifestation of God in a human life? Who, who is Jesus? You know, what, what does Christianity mean anyway? How does faith, our faith, rule our lives? And what is it? I mean, it is, it is amazing how simple Jesus' message was. You know, the, the ground uh, during Jesus' lifetime and for almost 100 years ahead of time and for another 100 or so years after that lifetime here on earth, the, the ground was flooded with messiahs. And about half of them were named Jesus. Jacob, good name. There was only one Jesus of Nazareth. And Jesus of Nazareth's message was very simple. It was about the kingdom of God. It was about living eternally begins now. The kingdom of God is not pie in the sky when you die by and by. The kingdom of God is now. The next step you take, the next breath you breathe, you are in the kingdom of God. The kingdom of God is now. And that's what Jesus was saying. And he left us with a couple of very simple things which were written down. One is the Sermon on the Mount, and the other is the Lord's Prayer. 
You don't need anything else if you want to understand what his basic message was. That's where they were. It was living eternally begins now on earth as it is in heaven. Forgiving trespasses, or as our Presbyterian dearly beloved friends down the street say, debts. Care for the poor. Deliverance from evil. That's what the Lord's Prayer is about. That's what the Sermon on the Mount is about. You see, Jesus' resurrection didn't just happen a long time ago. Jesus' resurrection happens every single day in our lives. You meet Jesus over and over and over again in your neighbors, in your neighborhood, in the grocery line, in traffic. Speaking of evil. (laughs) But you meet Jesus over and over and over again. You know, when we, we live in an age of continuing revelation, this revelation never stops with the Dead Sea Scrolls and the Nagamati Library and other things that people are digging up all over the world. We get more and more and more and more knowledge about this. But the basic, basic discovery is still the same. The message is still the same. It's easy. And it's hard. You know, our job, our job as people of faith Our job is to live eternally, to love one another, to help the poor, and to make thy kingdom come real, to make that real in our lives, in our homes, in our neighborhoods. You know, one of the things we can train ourselves to do, and this takes a little practice, is learn to look for acts of grace in your life. And grace, as you remember, is the free, freely given, unmerited, undeserved, often unasked for, certainly unwarranted gift of God's love. That keeps popping up in our lives. It can be a little tiny thing, a little, little tiny thing. Where you're in the grocery line and somebody says, you know, oh, go ahead. I I see you missed something that you wanted to get. I'll hold your place. You go right ahead. You run down and bring back the frozen peas. Oh, Lord, thank you. (laughs) My wife has been making an appetizer dip where she takes peas and puts them in a blender with some other stuff. And I tell her she's bringing the world into a better place, making world peas. Isn't that awful? That's bad. That's bad. We, you and I, you and I need to recognize eternity when we experience it. And we experience it all the time. It might be in the miracle that our dog loves us. It might be, this is even a greater miracle, that our cat loves us. Jan Hanglin told me once after the St. Francis service that 
the dogs are members of our family, but for cats, we humans are staff. (laughs) Didn't you? It'll pay you not to sit up in front, I'll tell you. We need to recognize eternity. Recognize it when we see it. It might be in a flower. It might be in a sunset. It might be in a raindrop. It might be in the smile of a friend. It might be in being forgiven. That's an eternal moment. That's the kingdom of heaven. You see, we need to learn to sharpen up a little bit and be able to recognize good people in this world. But also we need to learn to recognize the evil people in this world. Some people are just evil. Sorry. They're not above redemption. But there are wicked and evil people out there. They can be saved too. They can come into the kingdom of heaven too. But they have to be living a little differently. And good people sometimes can push a good thing too far. And... uh, we don't want to even get into that, but we need we need to be aware of feeling entitled. We're not entitled to anything. We're here by the grace of God. You know, you reach a certain age, you know, and you kind of go around the room. And I bet if we we won't have a show of hands, but I bet if we were to separate you out. Okay, whose life has been saved by somebody else, by antibiotics, by surgery, by one thing and another? You know, that would be a big crowd over here. It's amazing. Living by grace. We're not entitled. We are all the children of God. All of our gifts, all of our power, all of our hope, all of our love come from that source. Our God, our creator. You see, we're here to just do two things. Just two. Thank good it isn't a longer list. It's just two things. One is to love. And the other is to serve. Amen.